Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Forever Quest, a show about the video game EverQuest made in 1999, the precursor to World of Warcraft. But today's a very, Boom! very... Boom! This is the holiday edition. <laughs> Boom! I bet you didn't know I was listening. Boom! This is the holiday edition. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, Sean. What is going on? I just clicked, like, open this thing up, and I heard this guy going, I have, this is a game we play called Every Game. This is a show we do called I Pooped in My Shoe. Oh, I've never done that. You have a Santa beard going right now. Oh, 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 oh. I feel like I haven't seen your face for a while because lately when we've been recording, we've just been doing audio. So I literally haven't seen your face in I don't think a couple months, maybe. It's full, man. It's big. Yeah, it's getting there, huh? Yeah, you have like a real like there's a real distinction between the gray and the and the and the black. It's yeah. like a line that you got yeah. right there. It hurts a little bit too when I pull on this part. <laughs> It, it's, it feels different when I cut it. It hurts like hell. The white part hurts. No, it doesn't. Are you it telling does me your too. beard has feelings? It does. Like it feels like endings? icicles. Icicles are like forming on my face. Oh, I heard the next EverQuest expansion has ice giants. Maybe they'll look like you. There's a storm coming from the north right now, which is blowing down to the south, causing many, many people to have to worry and fear. It's true. It's true. It's Christmas time and there's storms like every time. This year, there is. My parents aren't traveling for Christmas this year. First, because of the storm, and then my dad got COVID. Oh, my God. Is he going to be I okay? Know. I think he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in his chest yet? Like, he's just all the other stuff? Yeah, he's he's a tough guy. He's doing pretty good at the moment. Has he been in any, like, wars or anything that would make him tough? Yeah, he's been in some of that stuff mm-hmm. that's made him kind of tough. He's a tough guy. He is a tough guy. He's the type of guy where I can, uh, I've been in situations with my dad where I've had to stand out in the Minnesota cold. You just like, you're, let's say you're waiting for a car to pick you up outside of Olive Garden. Okay. Example. And let's say you end up waiting for a couple minutes. My dad doesn't flinch, man. He doesn't have a hat. He doesn't have gloves. He doesn't have nothing. He's just, he's got that, he's got that tough. Where did, you like, your, did you bring your hat, Jeff? <laughs> I can see that you're shivering over there and your shitty little self. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that either. He doesn't. He doesn't talk about how tough he is either. You're completely not self-disciplined, and you're shaking right now. I, I think his nerve endings just aren't as functional. I think that's what it is. You know that you are you yelling because you seriously are sitting at least like five feet. What are you saying, Eric? Over there, come over here. Five feet from your microphone. They've been dying over the years. They've been they've been leaving him. Who has? Here, oh, you, the nerve let me have, let oh, me the give nerve you one of these. They've been, they've been going away. Virtual hug, Every time brother. he goes out ice fishing, Eric, I think Grandpa loses <laughs> some more nerve endings. Yeah. I got you. Right back at you. Right, look at my Sean shirt, says right way. back at you. Yeah. Oh, and he's got a kitty on his oh, chest, kitty, too. Oh, kitty, kitty. Kitty catty. Aw, that's so cutie Wait, cutie. does Sean want to say anything? Sure, talk to him for a second. Hey, Sean. I just, I just want to say thank you for the hug, and I, you know, my shirt is very similar to the the, the stuffy that you just had in your arms. Oh, yeah. there. What's the name of that of that guy there? 
Uh, I don't remember. I'm going to say Jebediah right now. Yeah, Jebediah. Look it's at that Jebediah. thing. Jebediah. Jebediah the boba. Half the size as you, the boba drink, and uh, very huggable. So we just gave each other a virtual hug, and I appreciate it. Merry yeah. Christmas. Happy New Year. It's good to see you, man. Merry Christmas. Serious luck. <laughs> serious black that's funny oh my gosh we just watched the harry potter movies actually we do that during christmas yeah i so i am serious black to him in a way yep, I that's suppose. what he said why so serious uh, why so why so serious well i mean i, I guess i'm going to die one here soon trying to defend the world pretty soon, yeah, pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> you're gonna have to die for eric sorry to tell you that uh, God damn but it. speaking of movies sean Mm-hmm. We haven't even mentioned, so this title is going to say it's a Gummo episode, and frankly, you know, there's not a lot of Gummo episodes out there. I've done some searching, and so this is going to be one of the top ones ever, and we haven't even mentioned the word Gummo, and we're several minutes in already. Gum to the O, gum to the O. <laughs> Have, has anybody seen this movie? If you haven't, you're going to go watch it, hopefully, after this, and you're going to be, uh, you're going to be upset. You're going to be upset. Well, I think the most of the world would agree with you, Sean, because when you go on to, you know, the internet and you Google this thing, IMDb, it's 6.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is 38%. That's kind of like the public's view, I think. And then Metacritic is 19%. Those are like critics. I mean, how many people, people don't make, like this movie? How, how many people make it past the like, second or third scene? That's how I want to just know. Not enough. That's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. But as far as Google mm-hmm. users go, it has 77%. All right, I'm going to tee this up here, Sean. Ready for this? Okay. Welcome to well, welcome to Forever Quest, where all we do is talk about EverQuest. That's right. And we decided to make a special episode for Christmas, actually inspired by our friend Jason, who uh, sent me a podcast, because he knows I like to listen to podcasts, sent me a podcast called uh, In Blart We Trust, which is these guys who every Thanksgiving they watch Paul Blart Mall Cop, and then they do a podcast about it. And I just think that concept's uh, pretty absurd and ridiculous, and I appreciate it. And so I pitched you, like, what if every Christmas we do Gummo uh, as part of our Forever Quest podcast, which is about a game called EverQuest. That makes total sense, right? And so, (laughs) sorry, that's so silly. So, uh, you agreed, and I've already, by the way, thought that it shouldn't be Gummo every year. It should probably mm. be a different awesome movie every year. Oh, and worse, it gets just worse and worse. No, it's uh, this movie's good, by the way. So we're going to get there, but I'm going to tee this up, and I'm going to tell everybody the overall... Um, I'm going to frame Gummo for them. Gummo came out in 1997. It's a drama indie film coming in at one hour and 29 minutes. The synopsis is... Teen friends Tumblr, played by Nick Sutton, and Solomon, played by Jacob Reynolds, navigate the ruins of a tiny, tornado-ravaged town in Ohio that is populated by the deformed, disturbed, and perverted. When not gunning down stray cats for a few bucks, the boys pass their time getting stoned on huffing inhalants, household inhalants. Elsewhere, the mute bunny boy, played by Jacob Sowell, Don's rabbit ears and is bullied by kids half his age and sisters Dot, played by Chloe Seving and Helen, played by Clarissa Glucksman, dodge a pedophile. Release date, October 17th, 1997. Director Harmony Corinne. Budget, $1.3 million. Box office, 116000 It lost uh, $1.2 million. <laughs> I 
I love this movie, Sean. I love it a lot. I took four pages of notes. I'm ready to break it down for you. First, I want to know what your background is with this movie, because when I met you, we've been friends for 30 years now. Oh, my God. I feel like it's we've a been friends appalling. longer than I've been married. It's appalling, actually, when you think about it, really. You're my first wife, Sean. I Well, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> So uh, when we first met each other, or no, not after we first met each other, because this came out after we met each other. We met each other around 91. This came out six years later. Um, at some point, we had not seen this together, but we started referencing it when we were around each other because we knew we had both seen it and we, apparently it affected both of us. So when did you first see this? Um, I'm going to guess not long. When did it come out? 1997. I mean, I'm guessing I saw it not long after it came out, like maybe even when it came out, because that's about the time that I was into like, you know, weirder things and trying to find art in a weird space. And I think that that qualifies for this, that this qualifies for that. Like this was somebody definitely trying to expand the idea of what art was and, you know, showing you middle America. Right. Because there's not much of a plot to this movie. So it doesn't follow your normal movie structure. And actually, after, I think there is a plot, and I think the plot is the pregnant cat, and we'll get to that. But uh, And whether they kill the pregnant cat or not. I think that is the plot, if there is a plot. But you're right, it's just, it's just a little view of, of middle America, which you've lived in for part of your life. Yeah, it's like a cross-section between... Um you know, a documentary and a, um, sci, sci-fi thriller. <laughs> no, it's not a sci-fi thriller. <laughs> yeah, it is hard you, to disagree on that one. <laughs> okay. I mean, I had to put my mind outside of normalcy, right? Like, as I said, like right about scene two, I had to be like, Oh, right. Hold on a minute. I got to pause and go, are these people, how old are these people in this f- film? Like, what did they do? Were they breaking laws? Like, if is this like, is why it failed because like, they were breaking laws? But then, of course, they weren't. These people were legitimate age. But, you know, it still well, was like, a bit. It the was main like, actor, Sully, was, I think, 14 when he made this movie. The person right. who I thought was named Gummo. Yeah. In my mind's eye, when I thought back to this movie, I thought the kid who you always see on the poster with the interesting shaped head, I always thought that was Gummo. It's not. His name is Solomon, nicknamed Sully. Yeah, but they don't ever show anything um, inappropriate with Sully. Holding hands is as far as they do. Right, right. And we'll get to that as well. Well, let's... So oh wait, do you, you don't remember if you saw it with people or not, or like how you came across it? Those details are fuzzy to you, I'm guessing? I don't remember, honestly, where I saw or who I was with either. I just remember the spaghetti scene, and I remember uh, the bunny rabbit guy, and over time, I lost the rest of it. I, I've, I've always hung out with a different crowd of people, and so my guess is that they were the ones that introduced me to it. Whoever I was with at that time was like, this is an art piece you should check out. And I There you know. go. Right. Now, this director, Harmony Corinne, first made the movie Kids, which made a splash. Mm -hmm. And that was also about kids doing, uh, what do you call it, man? Like uh, disturbing things or things that would disturb some. 
or I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't know how to put into words. And that's actually why I kind of like the movie is I still have a hard time describing why I think the movie is uh, pretty great. Um, and I was scared going into it. We've been joking lately going into this one, Sean, because I forgot there was the cat stuff and I can't deal with cats being hurt, but that didn't bug me at all. And I'll get, I'll get to that as well. Why it didn't bug me. The, okay. That's interesting. I thought for sure you're, there's like definitely, <laughs> nope. I can think of at least three different scenes where I was like, Ooh, he's, this one's going to be tough. No, no, I got through him. I got through him just fine. So I'm going to take us through scene by scene, Sean, because we got a lot of time to go here, right? Meow. <laughs> All right, Sean. So the movie opens, uh, opening credits uh, with the words peanut butter, motherfucker. Remember that? That little kid who starts yep. singing oh, yeah. that like really vulgar yep. song. Oh, yeah. And then they start describing with this uh, narration voice as they're showing you scenes from uh, uh, a Midwestern Ohio town that is has just trash all over the place and the place isn't looking very good. And there's this uh, narration voice that talks about how a tornado hit this town like 15 years previous and it killed a lot of people, uh, especially like a lot of the working males. And... Uh, it hurt the economy really bad and it left a lot of kids kind of stranded and it kind of sets you up for this movie where, and I looked at this one on a map too, Sean, this is the South West quadrant of Ohio, kind of like between a bunch of other big cities, kind of like triangulation, like not cl super close to any of them. And uh, just kind of out there in the middle of nowhere, kind of on the Southern half of Ohio. And it talks about how this town was devastated. And I think it really sets the stage well, because to me, this almost became a movie about uh, economics and like about poor people. Okay. So, <laughs> I know I'm getting, I'm getting all deep here. Meanwhile, this kid's saying peanut butter, motherfucker, your mom's got a pussy. Your sister's got a pussy. Remember that shit? I very much remember it. Like I said, you know, making it past scene two, you're you're diving in, you're going for it. What were you feeling at that point in the movie when the when the kids start saying all that? I mean, I I I've seen the movie before, so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into to begin with, and I knew that it was intentionally going to move you towards like, hmm, yeah, and and so I you know I. It, I also remember being a kid and saying all kinds of incredibly stupid things that you didn't understand, but you thought were funny or that you thought you understood. Yeah. And so that part of it just, you know, it kind of brought me back to some of the things that I did that, of course, looking back on and having a knowledge of what you should or shouldn't do now is like, yeah, yeah, I did some pretty outrageously stupid things. That's very true. I think especially bored kids, you know, in farmland or wherever, if, there, if there's just not shit to do. I know I grew up in central Michigan and this, I think one of the reasons this movie hits me hard is I feel like I've met some of these people. I haven't met some of the craziest people in this movie, but I've definitely met a bunch of these people oh, uh, where yeah. I grew up. Cause I grew up in Michigan as the auto economy was on the slowdown. So things were starting to get a little worse. And then my family moved out and that's when I met you is when we moved to Minnesota, but I've met some of these people. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you have too, right? There's, I'm sure a couple of the people in this movie, uh, 
mm-hmm. you could relate to a little bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, yeah. Grew, you grew up in Florida. Well, I was born in Florida, but I was, you know, my dad's family is from Pennsylvania, coal mining towns in Pennsylvania. So Evansburg is a small town and there's, you know, there's always interesting people in small towns, you know, and there's no way around that. Uh, and then even where we, where I ended up in Minnesota when I was young, that was, you know, f- pretty much farms in my backyard, yep. you know, and so the, it changed over time, of course, but, uh, of course, yeah, I've met, I've met many, many, many people across many places <clears throat> who are similar. All right, Sean. So going on to the next scene here, we meet uh bunny boy mm-hmm. and, uh, it's a boy, uh, who's wearing, I think like cutoff jean shorts or some type of shorts and other than that all he has on is uh like tennis shoes and a big bunny hat which kind of reminds me of you because that's your discord Mm -hmm. uh image is you with a bunny hat on as well by the way everybody i can already see sean's getting a little uncomfortable we're only like 17 Mm -hmm. minutes in and the gummo is already getting to him a little bit i kind of see that gummo seeping into your fingies and your shoulders right now sean so i i think I think the story, I think the whole thing is about the bunny. The bunny boy? Yeah, I think the whole narrative is about, and you know, if you just watch the whole, what's interesting is that it's never really made clear that that boy is mute. There's no real, right, in any, any indication of that being the case. And in, to me, it, it that, character is seemingly when wanting to be seen or present is and when doesn't want to be seen or present is not he's kind of an observer in a way huh almost a ghost when wanting to be yeah so i almost feel like it, it like that to me a lot of times i feel like that is the camera's eyes so in this scene bunny boy is on a highway overpass with one of those like uh uh, chain wire gates that goes over the top so like nobody can jump off or anything like that where you can like actually hang on it and you're really getting the impression again even after the opening scene that this town is kind of decimated because there's like trash all over this thing it's starting to fall apart you can even tell he doesn't really care about the town because he's like pissing on cars he's spitting over the edge i immediately got to the impression do like this kid has nothing to do he doesn't appreciate his town because his town just feels like shit and he's just pissing and spitting everywhere and just bored as shit when and no one there to tell him different right and this is when the wonderful song cockadoodle do is played yeah wonderful is definitely a, an interesting take on it yeah it's uh it's it's haunting Sean, this um, is how me and you would uh, connect every once in a while back in the day. I talked about how me and you connected over this movie and without even without seeing it with each other because we would reference it. We would make each other laugh just by going, Yeah, it's still funny. It's still good. Um, and it, yeah, it's like, uh, I, I'm, I love folk music. And so, um, yeah, it, there's just something... I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's a perfect choice for for the film. Next scene. We start to get real, everybody. 
Mm-hmm. We meet um, Tumler and Solomon, Tummy and Sully. We'll call them going forward, Tummy and Sully. Yep. Who? Let's describe these two characters, Sean. Before I get into what this happens in the scene, can you set up what these two kids look like? I mean, if you lived in the late 80s or early 90s and anybody had like a, I mean, that's when I rocked this haircut. So I'm just going to say, yeah, if you rocked a mullet, which is pretty much shaved on the sides and, and it's not a mohawk on top, you pretty much got everything up on top. But then the back, the back is like a little bit more of a mohawk down to the, you know, and if you've got a rat tail, it was double good, man. Like having the rat tail. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and I, I had an I, aunt who made her kids have one of those because when she punished them, she pulled it up. Yeah. And that shit hurt. Apparently that shit hurt. I remember the day that my friends held me down and my mom cut it off on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> no way yeah it's truth right there your friends weren't feeling it huh no they were so tired of it and that's why i had it i was like yeah i didn't i did not rock this when you all thought it was so cool and you hate on it right now so much and here it is i'm just reminding you how look at this look at this and they didn't like it they wanted me to get rid of that thing my goodness so that's uh that's uh tummy that's what Tommy looks like, right? That's, do they both have the mullet? No, the other the other older kid just has a regular kind of crew cut. He's just like you know. Oh, shaped. so you're saying the kid I thought was Gummo Sully is the one with the is the one with the mullet, and yes, Tommy yeah. the older kid. Yeah, he's just got kind Tommy of, look like. He's just got kind of spiky, not washed hair in two and a half weeks. Like you can tell, it's all gummed up. Yeah, and, and like you know. You know, just also like, you know, thinking at a different speed. How old do you think these kids are? I don't know. This is where I started struggling. This is where I've always (laughs) struggled with this movie is immediately I go, all right, I'm not sure I can watch this because if they're going to be doing weird stuff and these two never get into super weird stuff. So, but they never show you weird stuff. Right. But they, they, they allude to it, it. right? Yeah, they they definitely allude to it. That's why... That's actually one of the reasons I don't mind the cat stuff. It's because they allude to a lot of stuff, but there's, we'll get, we'll get there, Sean. It's no uh, fucking Tiger King. All right. I got about 10 seconds into that show. Meow. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say but these are like skinny ass uh, kids, right? In, in high school, we called her, or in junior high, we called them dirt balls. They were the kids in the dirt ball uh, part of the middle school, the back. And they all smoked cigs and they all had like uh, Slayer, like um, uh, sleeveless tank tops and shit like that. And like, uh, yeah, like cut off jean shorts, skinny as shit, just like badass looking for like middle school, early high school. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Yeah. So it starts off with th- there's one that's quite a bit taller than the other one. Like Tommy's like a foot taller than Sully, right? And Sully's the one that you see on the poster for this movie all the time. He's the younger kid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I'm guessing they're and I don't know, I in real life maybe 12 and 14. Well, yeah, that I think uh well I know that uh Sully was 
the actual age. He was like 14 or 13. Uh, he was previously in a Ritz uh, commercial, and Harmony Corinne saw him in that commercial, thought he had a super interesting head, and wanted to, wanted to cast him for this. And so uh, he actually played it like as a 14-year-old or whatever. I don't know about uh, Tummy, but I do know that actually a lot of the people in this movie, there's only like four or five professional actors. The rest are people that he, he being Harmony Corinne, found at a Burger King or at the local manufacturing plant in the town where they shot. They actually shot in Kentucky. They didn't shoot in Ohio where the, where they say the filming is. So, oh my God. So uh, all the people that they, obviously that they blur out their faces didn't consent. And so those people, you know, we don't know that. Maybe he blurred out the face. Maybe, maybe it was an artistic choice, you know? You know that's that's fine, but like, are you are you assuming that those are the people that um, were not actors, the Burger Kings? Yeah, like yeah, I want to say that like maybe even Tummy or the bigger kid, he might have been one of the non-actors. Hmm. But I know that uh, Sully, the younger kid, is an actor. I know his mom is one of the actors. His Remember his actual, mom? His actual mom. Not his actual mom, the mom in the show, which we'll get to that scene too in the basement. Oh, that one's I, very weird. I fully remember the hair washing scene. There's no, there's no forgetting that. Okay, anyway. Um, so these two kids uh, were now on what I think is the two main characters of the show, uh, Sully and Tommy. They're walking through what appears to be like an abandoned lot full of trash, and Tommy is holding a white fluffy cat by the scruff and they're both walk over to a big drum of water and he drowns the cat in the water. Yeah, and at this point you're just go. like, oh, no big deal. I'm feeling fine. Let's go. Ready? Let's go. Scene three. Let's go. No, what, what I actually wrote down as my notes was not good exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, again. So if you make it past this point in the movie, like you are, you're diving in. You're going, all right, I guess this is, I guess. I think the... Talking about it with you now, the way you say, like, some people only get to scene two, I'm, I have a feeling the director did that on, on purpose. Like, hit yeah. you with that right away, drowning a live cat, which he didn't drown a live cat. No cats were harmed during the filming of it. You can see the, you know, the movie magic they cut before he actually puts the cat in, and it's obviously not a cat anymore, you know? And he's just, he's carrying a cat by the scruff, which, if you've been around cats, like, it's not that big of a deal to hold a cat by its scruff. It, it, to cut to the chase, Sean, in my whole opinion with the cats in this movie, I didn't mm -hmm. see a single scene where I actually saw a cat in distress. I think they used movie magic to pretend like the cats were, but I didn't see any cats in distress in this movie. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's, a, there's a lot. It's more. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. So they, yeah. so there's the scene. There's that scene. <clears throat> Man, let, let's talk about the cat and not being in distress in scene three. How about that? Ooh, okay. So scene the next scene, Sean, we cut to what appears to be an even more dump type place or like another open field with even more trash where there's uh Tummy, the older kid, with another girl who's uh, apparently they're in their teens and they're in a broken up car with like a broken windshield and like a bucket full of fire, like a trash bin full of fire outside the window. And just, it's like they're making, because they're making out in this car. It's like a, a, a perverted uh, scene from Greece or something like that. Cause they're making out in this car, but everything is 
surrounding them is trash and fire. And as he's feeling her up, he finds a lump in her chest. And he says, you have a big lump in your chest. And she's like, what do you mean? And he says, you have a big lump in your chest. And then it just cuts. How this how this uh, scene hit you there, Sean? <laughs> mm. Yeah, again, this is where you're kind of going, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about this. It hit you hard in this movie right off the bat, man. Because there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are not as disturbing. Now that I go over this with you, I really think he hits you with some of the most disturbing scenes right away to, to set that tone. I, what are you talking about? There's disturbing scenes throughout this What about painting movie? the toenails on the front porch? You know, oh washing the God. cat. How about the scene on the, the couch? Co- the comedy how about the, scene. How about the scene on the couch where the, the two scene guys... The on the couch is fine. It's just a couple people hanging out. We'll get to that one. All right, moving forward, everybody. Oh, my God. So now, um, now throughout this movie, there are a lot of cut scenes where it's just like 20 seconds of some random group of people that you like never see again. And these were some of the people met at the local factory or the Burger King station where they just because apparently when he went to the town to shoot, he sent a lot of his footage guys out and it was just like, get as much footage as you can and we'll just use what we can. And so some of the scenes in this movie aren't really scenes as far as the plot goes. It's like setting the tone, if nothing else. Right, Sean? It's just like recording three people sitting around talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. And just like letting, giving you a feeling of what people talked about. And again, this is where I felt a little bit like I've seen, I've been in some of these situations before. Right. I've been on some of those porches, not some of the again, not some of the crazier ones, but I've like felt some of that in my life. It is the uh, idea of extreme boredom and what it brings. Yes. Yes. There you go. So and poverty, I would say, too, because a lot of the situations for a lot of these people, it seems like they're all pretty strapped for money. And they're even the main plot of the movie, as we talked about earlier, when I mentioned what the synopsis was, uh, you have this like uh, economy of cats in this movie with people just trying to get through life, you know? And there's a competition for killing and selling them. Yeah. And that's the next scene is actually the two kids, uh, Tommy and Sully, just riding around on bikes and looking all badass. And this actually brought back memories too, because I used to ride around on my like BMX with a friend down dirt roads. Sean, you know, you remember that feeling? Yeah, but you didn't have a BB gun strapped to your back. No, they both did, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were doing what? Killing cats. That's right. Killing cats. Just basically hunting cats. Yeah, and they make a little money on the side by selling it to the local butcher. Yep. And that's yeah. and that's coming up in a sec here. We first oh, we got boy. the first now to me, this is the plot of the story. Is there's only a couple scenes that involve the pregnant cat, but I think if I had to describe this thing actually as a story arc, it's the it's the pregnant cat because after they're riding their bikes for a little bit, they come across a cat that's kind of sitting in a driveway. They're about to shoot it. One of them's about to shoot it. I think it's the older kid, Tummy. And then Sully, the younger kid, puts pushes down his rifle and says, No, that cat's a pregnant or that cat's a house cat. You can't kill that. That belongs to somebody. Yep. And it turns out the cat did belongs to somebody. It runs inside. And that's when you meet uh, the girls who we mentioned, uh, Dot and Helen. Uh, which is this, uh, these sisters, it seems like. It seems like three sisters, actually, right, who live in that house together. 
Seems like it. Yep. Yep. And uh, they take and, and then this cat is their cat and they're like, oh my gosh, this cat's pregnant. So we just saw the boys not kill a cat because they like, it's almost like they spared it. Right. Yep. They had, they and had a code. They had a code for it for like which cats could die and which cats could live. That's right. That's right. And I think that's a big part of what this movie is all about. Sean is that code. I'm glad you mentioned the code. Okay. That's so important. Okay. I'm on to page two of the notes, Sean. I have four pages of notes. That might be too many. We might need to, like, <laughs> you don't need to go scene by scene, I don't think. No, I got I it all written down right here, Sean. I'm sure, I'm sure, but it's just, it's really not necessary. All right, the next scene, we go inside the house with the sisters, and they are uh, covering their nipples with tape. And that's yes. how they're beautifying themselves, by getting their nipple hair off, is by ripping this duct tape off of themselves. Okay. How that how that one make you feel? Again, I started to wonder if how this movie was, you know, did they get arrested afterwards? Was there some <laughs> issues? I'm not kidding. I was like I'm like, "Wait a minute. Is how did this how did they get away with this? Like how, what is going on here?" Um enough to enough for me to stop and go, "What were the ages of the people and actresses and they were it was it ended up being legitimate, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do that." But I don't know about the girls, honestly. I don't know how old they how old they were. Well, they have to be of a certain age to show that. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. But I don't wouldn't know. that be child pornography? I'm, you know, I'm I I'm assuming so. Okay. <laughs> Here we are. We're 33 <laughs> minutes in, and the words have been spoken. Child pornography. What a movie, Har Harmony Crin. Thank you so much. All right, moving on. So, well, I mean, isn't that isn't that like what is possibly going through most people's minds at that point in time? I, th I think you're right. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, Sean. That's that's not what I was thinking. Okay. The thing that I was thinking is that these girls uh, don't have enough money to like go to a beauty parlor, parlor, so they're like teaching each other tricks. To me, this whole movie was so much about the economy, and I know you, you're saying that I shouldn't be looking past the fact that these are mostly kids, but honestly, a big part of me did, and I just saw, to me, I was seeing, I thought, there's a movie about the economy of the U.S. and the Midwest. Yeah, sure, that definitely played a part of what was going on there, but it also was concerning to me because of where the mindset of our current state is that... I, I, in my mind, it must, it just meant that must, they, it must have been just fine. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. Well, and his first movie was, uh, Harmony Crin's first movie was actually pretty controversial for the same reason. It was a movie called Kids, which was shot in New York, which was all about New York teenagers and promiscuous sex. Yeah. So the guy, had, and then he goes on to make Spring Breakers, which I don't think is thought of as, as well as those other two, but it, he definitely has a, a streak of that. That's for sure. You kind of make me think this guy's kind of a weirdo now, Sean. All right, mm. moving on here, everybody. <laughs> That's what makes you think he's a weirdo. Not not those first four scenes, like you, the ones you just described to me, which are completely not connected in any way other than showing <laughs> the scope of his weird kind of dystopic, you know, thought of the Midwest. So the next scene here is the uh, boys are carrying an entire bag full of dead cats. Yeah. And they're headed off to see the butcher. Yeah. And this is where I thought there was an interesting scene where the 
they have a conversation about food because they're like, I want to go get a milkshake after we get after we sell these cats. And that was like their way to celebrate was like, get a milkshake, get some food. Yeah, but he doesn't. It's not even really that, though. It's not even a celebration. It's go ahead, because where it goes is that the one kid uh, all of a sudden says something about his fate. He's like, what do you eat? And he said something about not something nice he eats every week. And then the older kid who seems like the older kid, the foot taller one, crepe Suzette. almost like he flexes on him. He says, Oh, have you ever heard of crepe Suzette? Yeah. And it was like, I've, and I've been in that situation too, where you have two kids who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they're like flexing on each other. Like, yeah. Oh, well you've had filet mignon. Do you even know what crepe Suzette is? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, it's true. I, I definitely felt that there, but it, it also just, it was, you know, uh, that whole, that whole scene, I don't know. It didn't feel like joy. So that it, what it showed to me was this absence of joy. Like it gets reiterated multiple times throughout the film. There's this absence of joy, especially in that main character. Or one of the main characters and you know in the end the last one of the last scenes with his mom she keeps you know when she's dancing around asking him to smile because smile he just never smiles even when he's like shoving chocolate into his mouth <laughs> still not smiling like you know it's like in again it goes all the way back to that very first opening of like all this tragedy right and so right. all, all this tragedy has just sucked the hope and the desire for anything great or better or wonderful. There is a scene where he smiles. Legitimate, happy, happy moment. But we'll get there. The next scene, Sean. Sean looks so tired right now, everybody. When I just said what we get there, he blinked like, tell me we're please almost done. Sean, we're on page two. Let's go. Come on. Play this up. <laughs> Choo-choo train. Let's move it along. The, right, next, the next scene, scene Sean, do you remember the brothers with the yes. dogs? So then they yep. start talking about these two kids in the town, which everybody yep. kind of looks up to because there's these kids who always yep. look nice. It doesn't they matter. Nice it's completely shirts. irrelevant. It doesn't even matter. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. There's no plot line here. It's just two other people they decide to talk about. It's absurd. It has nothing to do with anything. They just talk about these two brothers and their style and what they do and why they are the way they are. And then what, and where, when do they ever come back up again? Ever? Do they ever come back into the story? I don't think they do. No, no, they don't. Does any but, of the stuff that they ever talk about, go ahead. The, butt. the next scene though, has a character oh. who comes back up in the story again, again, a few and this times. is possibly the most disturbing story of the whole movie, which is a girl playing in a puddle, telling a story about her, either her father or her stepfather abusing her. That's right. And then they show the person as well. Yep. And that person is also in the rest, the chair wrestling scene at the end of the movie. The quiet That's guy right. standing in the corner. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was definitely uh, that. Uh, a, a lot of those people in these little side ones, those are the people that Harmony, they just found, right? Like at the Burger King or at the factory and just followed these people around and recorded them for a while, apparently. When's the last time you fought a chair? Um, I don't think I ever have. So uh, the kids, I've seen you do it. Get so em. the kids get, get to the em, grocery yes. store. They head to the grocery store and they sell 12.5 pounds of cat to the grocer. And then they learn that they have a competitor named uh, Jared uh, with the grocery store. And uh, they use their money. They get $13 for their 12.5 pounds of dead cat. 
to uh, they ask for some industrial strength glue for huffing. They don't tell the guy it's for huffing, but that's why they're getting it. And then the next scene is them huffing and talking, uh, like talking about their lives and where that kid's brother, what happened to his brother, and he lives in the big city now. And that's right. That yeah. is the next scene. There's actually one of those weird scenes in between of just like weird, some weird random person talking about killing cats. But yeah, the next yeah. actual scene of our main characters, they're, they finally get their milkshakes they've been talking about. They huff the shit out of some gas. And yeah, they, the, there's a lot, there's a couple undertones about homosexuality in this show. You see that racism and homosexuality are two things that you see these like young people in this devastated Ohio town, like are not dealing with in a like positive way. They like, they're all really like uh, trying to find a way to deal with it uh, while like still treating it as like this really negative thing. Well, there's a lot of no shirts on. So I'm wondering if that's again, once again, coming from the director. None I, mean, I suppose it. there was lots of no shirts on too back in the day in those towns when you're bored as shit, just fucking running around town. I mean, they they play it like everybody is shirtless 95% of the time. <laughs> Shit gets hot. I suppose they filmed in Kentucky. I mean, I don't know what time of the year they filmed, but maybe that had a lot to do with it. I mean, I never saw anybody sweating up or like, oh, my damn, it's hot. As <laughs> I never, none of that. Just with, no in, shirts. In down in Florida, how much is there no shirts going on? Because you, you visit Florida. You, you you live there. I mean, the closer you get to the water, that's the more and more. But like, you know, it's not like you... You just don't walk into every place and people are just shirtless. I wouldn't wear a shirt if I lived in Florida. I don't believe you for a second. I wouldn't wear a shirt at all. You'd be fire red. So in the next scene, we finally find who you say is the protagonist of the show again, which is uh, Rabbit Boy, mm, uh, yeah, Bunny Boy. Look at him this time. Now he's in a uh, trash dump and he's approached by two kids younger than him who are playing what looks like to be some type of like cowboys and Indians or cops and robbers. And they kind of accost Bunny Boy and start like treating him as the enemy and like start fake shooting him and like screaming at him. They take away his shoes and they throw him. They hit him and Bunny Boy just sits there and takes it. He, like when they pretend to shoot him, he lays down like he's dead. When they take all his shit, he lays there like he's dead. He doesn't react at all. It almost seems like it seems like the thing you would do in that situation, Sean. I have a feeling you kind of feel a little connection to Bunny Boy. I mean, you know, this depends on how far you push it. Bunny Boy would have taken their heads off, and you know, that's a scene they don't show you. But later on, Bunny Boy <laughs> tracks them down. He's stacking bodies. Bunny Boy is stacking bodies. <laughs> that's the whole thing. He's just keeping track in the background, going, "Okay, you're next." This is the other scene that we would make each other laugh with when we uh, were becoming friends, and we'd say, "Fucking rabbit." <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. you, you fucking rabbit! I kill you. <laughs> Those kids, man, they just want to hate. Yeah. So much anger. Yeah, a lot of anger in this movie, like trying to find a way to come out in the right way, a lot of like disappointment or something like that. Um, then we meet a, a mentally handicapped girl dancing around with a doll, singing her ABCs. This lady's name is Helen. And uh, she talks to the other two girls that we've already met, the sisters with the pregnant cat, and they're checking out Tennis Eddie. You remember fucking Tennis Eddie, Sean? I wanted to be Tennis Eddie pretty bad. <laughs> I still would wear that hair like that. <laughs> this 
this was early. Tennis Eddie had a scene talking about how he's on Ritalin because he has ADHD. In 1997, this was some early shit for that. Yeah, and he was jumping around and yeah, oh yeah, ooh, getting all fired <laughs> up about everything. I am so focused now. I am super focused. Give me my Ritalin. Bam. Oh. <sighs> Oh shit! I love Tennessee as well. He was awesome. He also had a sweet mullet. He actually had like uh, racer stripes carved into the side of his mullet. Oh yeah, man! He was straight up. I guarantee he was like crushing up his Ritalin and snorting the hell out of it. He looked shitty at tennis, though. Like he did not look coordinated at all. It looked like he yeah, was just a spaz. He was working on getting them thighs bigger, man. You heard him. <laughs> but Dot and Darby were into it. They were just checking him out, man. Yeah, no, that was definitely happening. Dot and Darby were into it. Yeah. So then we move on to your favorite scene, which is actually the director of the movie, Harmony Corinne, drunk on a couch, confessing to a uh, dwarf, a small person, Mm -hmm. and uh, super drunk. Apparently, he got super drunk for this scene. Again, this is the director of the movie in this scene, where he's basically trying to hit on this guy on a couch. It's just a scene with two guys on a couch, one guy is crazy drunk and they're they're both like vibing with each other. But then one of the guys, the super drunk one, starts to try to make it physical. And the the little man isn't feeling it. God, I feel like I've said it wrong so many times. I said dwarf. I said little man. But he's a cool dude. As a matter of fact, in a later scene, he's probably yeah. the... the... <laughs> just watching me digging a hole right now. Laughing his ass off as far as me putting my foot in my mouth right now. Dad. Call them midgets. They love that. Call them, Eric said, call them midgets. They love that. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so anyway, this is a pretty uncomfortable scene as well. is losing it right now. So this is a scene where Harmony Corinne, the director, gets wasted off his ass and basically tries to get a kiss from this guy. And he can't. And eventually he just gets a hug from him and pours some beer on his head and talks about how nobody ever loved him. Tell me what you think, Sean. This is your favorite scene, right? Just, you know, after that setup, I'm not sure how, where I can go or how I can help you. (laughs) But I think you, I think you hit every single, you just really tried hard right there. (laughs) Tried really hard to just really mess it up and like piss off somebody. For sure, someone's pissed. Oh my gosh. I'll go ahead and say sorry. You know, <gasps> ignorance is uh, oftentimes <laughs> um, something that we all need to work on. And it's often because we don't have enough uh, impact or like experience with oh people that are different. There's nothing wrong with being different. In fact, oftentimes it's encouraging to be different. Uh, so. So the scene, I think, is really uncomfortable. Um, I, You know, the one thing I will say is that I remember seeing this afterwards, and I've forgotten about this scene. Um, but I remember when I did start seeing it, that what it actually did for me at the time uh, was allow me to understand that, like, you know, people that are super drunk and hitting on somebody else, it can be annoying. It doesn't matter the sex or uh, what what yeah. the type of relationship is. It's just, it's just kind of gross. Even if you're into the person. Well, super drunk people can just be really ignore, like, annoying if you're sober, right? It's, it, 
even yeah, like I said, even if you're kind of into the person and then it's just yeah. like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, anyway, that's what I thought. That's what it left me. That's the feeling I was left with was like, this person wanted, this other person wanted more, not just the, if they were going to go there, it want, they wanted it to be because they both wanted to, not because of being drunk. So moving on to the next scene here. Uh, but it, I think this, hold on. I think I do think this scene is like a pinnacle in the movie because really? I do, because there's all this, like you said, there's a ton of undertone of homosexuality and like just not talking about it and being, it's all under like every, like all of those scenes have a ton of that stuff going on. Again, it's all boy on boy without shirts on, you know, anyway, it, it, it roughing it up, being tough, trying to act all that. Like it, it, there's a lot of that stuff, rep representation going on and on. And then there's this huge thing of him trying to come out in this community where it seeming seemingly would be, you know, you know, unbelievably difficult to do so to somebody who also probably, you know, like I was saying, doesn't want it to be in a, in a moment where, um, that's the relationship or that's the reason why it's the scene from, uh, uh, from super bad, right? Where she doesn't want to kiss when they're super drunk. Is that the right movie? Let's know. pretend like it is. Okay. So the next scene, Sean, is uh, Tummy and Sully. We're back to the two boys, the cat killers here. They confront their competition because they've been told at the grocery store they now have competition and they go to what seems almost like just a bunch of people hanging out in a yard. Uh, there's a lot of that in this movie, just a bunch of people hanging out in a front yard or a backyard, like four to six people. And this is where they, we meet Jared, who is a kid, speaking of trying to deal with homosexuality. I think there's a lot of tones of that here. It's a it's a boy who seems kind of effeminate, who they make notice of the fact he has earrings in his left ear, which back in the 80s and the 90s, that was like the thing, right? Mm -hmm. I remember like when my brother got an earring, everybody was like, oh, what ear did you get it in? Because if you got it in your left ear, that meant you were gay. That was actually a thing back in the day. Yeah, I remember that too. Partly why I got it in my left ear only. So I was like, really? How about a big middle finger to that nonsense? Um, and so, I mean, if you look, I still only have my left ear pierced. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, again, I think this is m more about um, transgender and just a, a, a really early look at people it, well, looking at trying to accept it. I, I don't think it... it as much about being gay as it is about transgender because they're cross-dressing and he's talking about he was complaining about somebody else doing that right like he wasn't talking about himself doing it i can't remember when they first meet he's complaining about the fact that someone does that and then they find so pictures I, well of there was later. the conversation about the brother which is the one that tommy talked about which is i think what you're thinking about because what jared actually complains about in the scene because when they confront jared and they're like what are you doing Killing cats. And Jared's really matter of fact about it. He tells them everything. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I kill cats. I'm your competition. They're like, how do you do it? He's like, I go out at night. I put out tuna fish mixed with uh, poison. shattered glass. Or poison. And, yeah, or poison, one of the two. And that's that's how I do it. And he, he's not apologetic at all. And they're like, why do you do it? He's like, well, I take care of my grandma. It's just me and my old grandma. And they're like, do you have to change your shitty diapers? And he's like, yeah, it sucks. And this kid seems like pretty depressed and pretty much like he's just killing cats because he's like 
just needs some money and he's super bummed out. Does not seem like a happy kid at all. Yeah, and this is the one of the first times I was like, okay, I'm pretty major hole in the plot, buddy. You're selling meat to a butcher that's been poisoned. Mm-hmm. Mm. Poisoning people. Hmm. And with uh, uh, with like glass inside of it. Yeah, I don't think so. Wow. Well, maybe it turned into an epidemic and they actually poisoned the whole town and that's gummo too. Maybe we should record it, Sean. That's why the the restaurant they were selling to lost their lost their business. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So th- it doesn't develop anymore at this point. They just confront the kid. The kid says, yeah, I'm doing it because I need the money for this reason. And that scene just ends. There's no fight. There's no... Well, he tells like, him about his mo- grandma and all that stuff and what's going on with his grandma. And like he, he mentions something else too. There's another piece to that scene. And the kid's acting super hyper nervous the whole time. Yeah. Like constantly like fidgeting with his hair and like grabbing his arms and like pulling himself in and acting really defensive. And also, I, I found it interesting how every time Tummy and Sully are out doing their cat killing adventures, you know, with their tank top Slayer t shirts or whatnot and their jean jackets, it's always Tummy who's usually doing the talking. And again, that's what's happening here. The taller kid, like a foot taller, is kind of mad dogging Jared and really acting like the boss. And th- this, again, just really harkened back to my childhood. I felt like I met so many kids like this with like the Megadeth jean jacket or whatever who were skinny as shit but just like had an energy about them where they because they were a lot of times smart kids too like they actually read shit and whatever but they had this like this energy this machismo that wasn't really there they would like always try to one-up people it almost reminds me of like the the uh damien eckers from the uh from the memphis trial anyway did you you know what i'm talking about sean yeah, there was there was a lot of machismo for sure. Or just you know, I, again, I I saw a lot of it is just hyper undertones. Moving on. All right. Well, this next scene, there's not a lot of under, undertones to it. It's it's pretty straightforward here. And this is the scene where I say that there's actually some true happiness in the movie, in my opinion. Mm. And this is the scene where then Tully and Tummy, Sully and Tummy, take their money presumably and go to this guy's house who has a mentally handicapped sister where they pay to have sex with this guy's sister and where apparently the guy watches too yeah totally not weird again you've made it this far (laughs) i mean fuck your morals fuck your life at this point it's just you're like this is what the hell is what the what what is going on here and again, you know, you've how old are these kids and what? And then, of course, they don't show anything. It's not um, graphic in any nature. But you're right. The only time that they show him smiling is him like flirting with this girl. I love this scene. I think this is a key scene in the movie. And this is where both. So Tommy goes in first, the older kid, you know, the machismo kid who's kind of flexing himself around with his jean jacket and all this stuff goes in first. So you don't see anything happen. All that you see is that the brother watches and that's super weird. And then he comes out like, oh, I'm done. He's smoking a cigarette or whatever, acting all cool. And then uh, Sully goes in and we don't know if they eventually have sex. I get the impression they don't. He just kind of like talks to her. He's like a little kid. He's like 13, 14. And it's almost like... uh, 
he's treating her almost like more of like a mother figure. And he's like, you're cute. And she like boops him on the nose or he boops her on the nose and they like giggle with each other. And they just have these really genuine smiles that they're really enjoying being with each other. It's almost like in this world of trash, they like find this moment of like these two people who just like compliment each other and like appreciate each other. And they both like have these, this really genuine moment, which I I absolutely love this part of the movie. I think it's one of the best parts. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 felt, it, it felt really uncomfortable to me. It felt really? like, yeah, because there's all this built up, there's all the built up what's going to happen. And then you, I'm, I don't want to watch this happen. Right. And then what are they going to show or not show or tell you or act like that's happening? Right. Or, or you know, allude to that's happening. And of course they don't, they don't, they take it to a very, like you said, like just a social place, but that very human level, just like two people, like making each other feel nice. Very appropriate for their age. Yes. For the first time they're appropriate for their age. That is what it is. It's, it's this scene where if you take out all of the extraneous material and just say, you know, none of that scenario stuff prior to this existed or happened, and it's just two kids sitting and talking. Yeah, it seems normal for once. But, you know, layered on top of what just happened, that it, it's it's a real MF, if you ask me. <laughs> so next scene, um, we see what's happening out in the living room with the creepy brother and Tummy. Tummy's, Tummy's basically giving him a comedy routine. And I watched this scene twice, Sean, just because I had to catch up to see if his jokes were any good. They were actually kind of good. They were absurdist jokes. One of the joke is I I met a person standing at a a parking spot. I said, what you doing? He said, I'm waiting for my wife to go get the car from home and park it. Just like really stupid shit. And he's very frantic, almost like he's uh, all amped up. And it's like he's almost rehearsed this thing. And he's it's, again, a very uncomfortable scene because this guy is like standing up doing a one man bit all frenetic as hell to this other creepster in the south with his sister laughing his ass off um a lot yeah, of energy de- in the scene he's, he's repeating a comic from like two eras prior to him <laughs> he is that's what it is the guy that goes ah cha 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 that's that's the guy and he's doing his bit he's doing his bit you know like from his dad's era or his dad's dad's era and it's that's why it's so weird that's hilarious so the next scene and if you remember, Sean, in this movie, a lot of times they'll have like really kind of peaceful, airy music, and then they'll switch to like hardcore death metal that just really puts you off guard. And this is one of those scenes where all of a sudden cuts to really hardcore death metal, where Sully and Tumblr are just beating a cat hanging from a rope with a stick, a dead cat, just beating the shit out of it. Yeah, another scene where I thought you'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can go any further, but you're like, no, it's no big deal. It's just a dead cat hanging from a rope. They're beating it with sticks. Not a big deal. <laughs> it's a dead cat. I'm it sure really, you can get a dead cat as a director. I'm sure that's a possible thing to do. Listen, there's a lot so, of prophetic scene here. This was you know, one of the most important things. You know, First of all, <laughs> the way the cat was dangling and moving into the circle to the left to the right was very, listen, very symbolic of what had happened the, earlier in the movie. The TV show on Netflix... Tiger King, it literally opens with real footage of like a cat overheated in a little ass cage in the back of a truck, like in the middle mm-hmm. of fucking Texas or some yeah. bullshit. Like yeah. obviously needs water. I can't watch that shit. That's a real cat 
like struggling. Mm-hmm. This was obviously they found a dead cat and used it in a scene. Yeah, no problems there. Just beat the dead cat, right? Who cares? <laughs> but to me, this reminded me of Sean again. Like, I don't know if kids do this anymore, but I was a kid who grew up near a bunch of woods in central Michigan without a lot to do. I would just go out into the woods and take a stick and bang it against a tree. That was my way of having fun when I was like six. Mm, this is very different than whacking a dead cat. I'm telling you that much right now. <laughs> That's very different. There's no, there is nothing even remotely close to. I don't know about you, but I, I felt really kind of kinned up with them folk because I used to whack trees with my stick. Oh, shit. I mean, these are angry kids. They both presumably not, lost their dads. I don't, it's not. Actually, it's like Tummy a, didn't lose his dad. We meet Tummy's dad. I, I think they're looking for, a tr- they're looking for a feeling. They're looking for some emotion. They're, they're not experiencing emotion. They're, yes. No one is giving them love or any of that stuff. So they're just looking for emotion. The next scene we see Jared, the competition, the cat killing competition. Yeah. Who, uh, it's nighttime. He says he hunts at night, and he puts out a can of tuna fish by a dumpster, breaks a bunch of glass, mixes mixes it up with the tuna. Yeah. End of scene. End of scene. Yeah. yeah. So did it done. Then we see um, a scene with a skinhead. This is one of those scenes that you only see for like a minute. A scene with a skinhead talking about how he just wants to kill himself. Yeah. Super happy yep. stuff. Yep. Sad. Yep. Just uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough movie. It is. It is. Yes, poverty breeds that sort of mentality. And so then we go back to the sisters who are who are entertaining themselves by spinning in a yard. Did you ever do this, Sean? Just spin until you get really dizzy, and that was your form of getting high as a kid. Yes, I did many stupid things as a child to feel <laughs> funny. <laughs> to feel funny. Yeah. You know what I did once is I took like a glass and I put it up against my mouth and I sucked on it super, super, super hard, like a suction cup, Mm -hmm. so hard that the next day all my blood vessels were popped in a perfect circle Mm -hmm. around my mouth. And my mom took me into a doctor because she thought I had Mm -hmm. some weird thing, you know? Yeah, I don't think that's what actually happened, but let's move on. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) then the girls uh, go onto their porch and are painting each other's nails. Nice little scene. Yeah, they just have a regular conversation about the stuff that's going on in town and some people who are mean and blah, blah, blah. It's not significant. Then uh, we go on to this, again, narration scene where they're talking about how without wood there would be no America. Again, I think just kind of harping on the economy thing somehow uh, because they just keep, they're they're like, without wood, there wouldn't be this. Without wood, there wouldn't Mm -hmm. be this. And how without all this, there wouldn't be an America. So there's this, there is this, what what they're alluding to in also this, you know, coal mining towns, places where there's iron, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, these places that were iron dependent and, and that were heroes from and had many, many heroes living within their communities because of World War II. At the end of World War II, when all of this stuff slowed down and everyone fleed to the suburbs and or the cities, it, it really changed middle America. And I think that's a big part of what this is alluding to and also yeah. showing you. And then you have a tragedy like this other piece of, and you add that into it. Yeah. And there, there is nothing to pull it back from that sort of thing. There's no economy there to, to push it forward or to pull people out of that sort of place. It's like you either have to just give into it or get the hell out. Yeah. Um, 
Then we see Solomon Sully in his house. Again, this is the kid you see on the poster of the movie, uh, taking a bunch of silverware, taping it together to make uh, weights, like so he can start weightlifting with uh, like homemade weights using silverware and tape. And he goes into his basement where there's a full there's a full mirror and like a tap dance floor in their basement. But there's also a ton of trash. And I've been in rooms like this before, too, Sean. I feel like I've been in a bunch of houses like this as a kid where just there would be like fucking little tri plastic tricycles and boxes and blinds just all over the place. But he's down there and he's trying to get a little exercise listening to Madonna's Like a Prayer. So again, this is like a World World War II mentality that is left over of you don't get rid of anything because you never know when you're going to need it. And so that's it's not trash. It's not even junk, right? It's stuff that's just, hey, we might need that, right? And so there's just so much of it around. Like to you and I, it just looks like, why would you have all that garbage sitting around? But it's, you know, I, I've seen that multiple, many, many times in places like that. I met a guy who, um, when he was redoing his deck with his son, he was teaching his son that when you pull out a piece of old piece of wood, you don't throw away the nail, you straighten it out again. Yeah. Like, really? I well, didn't think know people about still it. did that. That guy it's, was just doing that a couple of years ago still. Well, that's what I mean. Just think about saving. It's about money, right? So if, if you're trying to save every single dollar and you want to redo something, then that's what you've got to do. You've got to make sure that you salvage every single possible piece that you possibly can. And then you, when you're done, you can, you know, reutilize all that stuff and you pay one third the cost. It's a little bit more work, but a lot less in spending. Okay, next scene. Let's go. Let's go. Seriously, how close this is, is where mom? <laughs> this is where mom comes downstairs. Yeah, tap and dances. starts like tap me, dancing me, me, me. with them and yeah. talking about like her old oh, dad used to be a great tap dancer. Obviously, dad's not with them anymore. Probably died in the tornado. Yeah, and this is kind of a scene where you get an impression that she might have kind of snapped. Like she acts a little like disconnected from reality a little bit in the scene. You get the kind of impression that maybe Sully is left with one parent and they're not even fully there. Well, yeah, it's again, it's like you're one of the options that this person has. They're probably working 12 or 14 hour days and then they don't see their child. And when they do, they try to connect with them. And the kids, you know, she can tell that there's a giant gap between her and her child. It's probably pretty obvious. And the loss of her loved one that she can't cope with. And so she's having to try to do too much and can't do it. And that is the result is that you end up looking like you're a little bit crazy. And then we meet your favorite character in the movie, the albino who loves Patrick Swayze. Yeah, that's another kind of weirdly pointless scene. It's just like, again, some trying to give you some cross section of what you're looking at in a small town like that. All right, Sean, I have a real question for you here. We can mm -hmm. cut this part out. We're at, a, we're at one hour six. I still have a lot of this to go through. Do you need to get going? Because we can record the next, rest of this next week if you want. Yeah, we probably if you want to do two sessions, that's probably a good idea because at is this, this going to be a two parter. I think we're going to release people, this in two parts. Yeah, people would like that. I think. I think I think people would like it. This gives people a chance too to now watch the movie. If fans of the game EverQuest have listened to episode one yeah. and are like, "Man, I really have no idea what crazy fucking shit they're talking about," this is the mm -hmm. time for you to go onto Vimeo right and now. Check it out. In 2022, it's the only place you can watch it. It's free. Check it out and then join us for part two. There you go. And if that is the case, then you're probably a patron and you probably already listen. But if you haven't, then we would like you to become one if you would like. And that's for any 
dollar amount that you so choose. And also once a patron, always a patron. We you know that's just the way we roll. And the reason why you want to become a patron is infinite. But um, other than getting access to some secret bonus episodes that other people don't necessarily get to hear, you also get access to our Discord, which is really the key. If you are getting back into EverQuest, if you are an EverQuest player, if you're an avid EverQuest player and you think you know it all and want to share some of that information or you want to gain information, this is the place you want to be. Not your guild, whatever, blobbity bloom bloom. Yeah, not there. No, that's not where you want to be. No. And of course, hold on one more thing. And this is a free free uh, service announcement for our particular guild. If you're looking for a rating guild, particularly, the, you know, gen- in general, the best <laughs> rating guild on mischief, <laughs> then uh, I highly recommend that you reach out to Faceless. Um, I believe we do have uh, people that are recruiting right now. Actually, I think I've seen some Zencaster. Is that correct? Zencaster is the name of the app that we're using right now. Okay, then maybe uh, I'm not sure who that you want to reach out to, but there are a few people. And if you get stuck, just reach out to us. We'll help you out. I think it's Bunny Boy that you're supposed to reach out to. Well, that'll be next episode, my friend. Next episode. Bunny Boy ends up in a good place, I think. Oh, and a little bit about the thing, too. We have convinced somebody from the P99 to come to the dark side. And this is an old friend of ours. They are currently leveling up a character. It's getting very, very exciting because level 70 is a thing of the past, and we are now just working on AAs, which means that it will not be long before raiding has started for this individual who is an excellent, excellent EverQuest player. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you're here just because you like the movie Gummo, uh, thank you for stopping in and checking it out. You can listen to more of our episodes. It's all about this sweet game. Maybe we'll do another movie sometime. Maybe we won't. Maybe if you become a patron, we will. You never know how it's going to go out. I'm really excited already to think about what other movie we could do in the future, Sean. Maybe it's not just Christmas. Maybe it's also Easter, 4th of July, Halloween. We're going to do Lost next we could do Valentine's Day. I like the last episode of Lost. I feel like I'm in the minority there. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Sean, thank you for putting up with Gummo again. Sounds like you didn't enjoy it quite as much as I did, so it sounds like it for you was a little more of a try. I encourage you to watch it one more time before we do our second episode, just to oh give my it, God. really fall into it really well. Really dive in there and feel horrible about yourself. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank I you for listening. Leave, I want to leave everybody with this thought. And this is one of the reasons why I think this movie is so great. I think there is a possibility that this movie is showing us that these people are beautiful. Uh, One thing I heard is that this is Harmony Corinne's way of mocking people who are judging the people in this movie. That's what the purpose of the movie is. And I I think there might be some truth to that. I think this is just humanity under certain types of strains. And I think it's easy to watch the movie and judge these people a lot for the way they're behaving. When I think that uh, it might be more appropriate to like appreciate them as humans and have like, you know, love and respect for them. And I think this movie to me did a really good job of doing that. And um, yeah, the whole, the whole whole chair fighting scene needs to be respected by everybody (laughs) completely. There's, 100 percent and also the scene with the young lady and his brother you know that that's 100 percent needs to be respected by all individuals 
I'm glad we're I mean, both the here to give killing, you both sides of the argument. <laughs> selling it to the meat butcher and the restaurant, all is stuff that is wholesome and needs to be really understood. I mean, if you don't understand that about society, then you know what? Fuck you, because these people are beautiful that are doing these things, okay? They're beautiful. They beautiful. This, this stuff is, I want to say, gorgeous, we're ladies like, and gentlemen. We're like two accidents away from being these people, Sean. If, if you don't understand how chopping up cats and feeding it to the rest <laughs> local restaurant is completely acceptable after they've been poisoned. It's, you know, come on, get Do with it. Do you think you've ever accidentally eaten cat, Sean, from oh, a restaurant? Po- poison and glass-fed cat is just normal, especially in small-town America. Ladies and no, gentlemen, everybody. Merry Christmas. I hope that you Merry don't Christmas. have any poison glass-filled cat for dinner. Enjoy your time with each other. And try not to think about this movie as beautiful people. Merry Christmas! (laughs) Yeah, so Satan here. I gotta preface this with a question. I'm I'm not an expert, but Happy Holidays from the Purple Elves. nice to cats, rub their fur, pet their bellies, feed them, squish their cute faces. Just don't be mean to cats.